When God made man, he put him in the most perfect place. He put him into the Garden of Eden. And the animals were all tame. Everything was going just like it's supposed to go. And God, on purpose, put man in the garden by himself. He didn't intend that he would stay by himself. But he, at first, on purpose, put him there by himself. Because there were some lessons that he wanted to teach him before he would introduce him to family. And tonight we want to begin to pursue those priorities that God has established in his word. And there's really no better place to find out what those priorities are than to find out from his word. And just look at the order of creation. Just look at when God did what he did. And you begin to realize where God's priorities are. And of course, when God gave Eve as Adam's wife, that was just, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Adam was happy, I'm sure. Eve was happy. But the reason that God did not give Eve to Adam at just the very beginning of Adam's existence is because there was a relationship even more important than marriage that God wanted to solidify in Adam's life. And he wanted to teach him his number one priority, which is our relationship with God first and foremost. Amen. You know, you don't, you do not have to fear. This is Matthew's, Matthew's. Yeah, it, it's on. No, it's Matthew. We don't have to fear anything, any command from the Lord. You know, uh, he has our best interests at heart. You know, why would the Father send Jesus to the world for anything other than good? Amen. Amen. He came that we could have life and have it more abund abundantly. So uh, perfect love casts out fear. So anything that you have uh, struggles with, anything that you have uh, trouble <coughs> comprehending or understanding, you know, the Lord has answers for us, and he <laughs> is trying to get the best to us. So we don't have to fear, do we? No. And uh, I wanted to read... Um, Psalms 34, 12, and this is the Amplified, and it says, What man is he who desires life and longs for many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace and pursue Go after it. Amen. Amen. Peace is what we seek for in any relationship, and especially in the relationship between a husband and a wife. So, you know, God lays out rules, and sometimes maybe we don't, uh, we don't think that's not the best idea. Have you ever thought about things that are directives from the Holy Spirit and Sometimes we think maybe, you know, I just don't quite see it that way. <laughs> yeah. 
but he's God and he knows the best. And his way always for going up is down. You submit yourself to him, to his ways and to other people. And then he exalts you and lifts you up. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet or fitting for him. Now, why would God say it's not good that man be alone? Why would God say it's not good that man be alone? And he created him alone to begin with. Well, obviously, it's because God wanted man to pursue a relationship with him first. Tonight, we're going to talk about priorities, and there are... I think he also wanted him to see that um, there's not completion in things. You know, Amen. he was in a beautiful place that there was nothing lacking, nothing that he needed. You know, there was gold, there was food and you know their bodies were healthy and strong and so I th also think that he wanted him to see that those things are not the most important things now and you see the world we live in people go after everything else it seems but a relationship with God there are five relationships that we want to point out to you that are in this order according to God's economy. Now you can disagree if you choose to, but I believe if you study carefully the Word of God and you let the Holy Spirit deal with you that you would come to agreement with this uh, list of priorities. Priority number one is our relationship with God. That's the most important relationship you have. You can have God as first and still love your wife or husband like you should. You can still be a great parent. You can have a successful life. As a matter of fact, it's loving God first that will cause that successful life to come to pass. Mm -hmm. The second priority is your relationship with your spouse. If you have a spouse or when you have a spouse, whatever the case may be, that would be priority number two. Uh, you remember we already read in one of the lessons prior that one of the one of the requirements for marriage for a man is that he would leave his father and mother to cleave, which means to stick to like glue, his wife. And so in God's order of things, relationship number one is relationship with God. Number two is with your spouse. And so therefore you are more committed to your spouse than you are your parents whose home you left when you got married or anyone else for that matter. Um, that's priority number two, your relationship with your spouse. Priority number three would be your children. So children are not number two and children are not number one. Notwithstanding the little cute license plates, Children, kids are not first. Not in God's economy. Does he love kids? Certainly. It's his idea that we procreate and that we would have children. But kids are not uh, to, to be the first priority of your life. 
you are responsible to raise them. It's not their uh, place to run you. <laughs> Amen. Priority number four. They're so cute. Yeah, they're cute, all right. They grow up to be devils if you don't <laughs> discipline them. You know, little devils grow up to be big devils. You know that, don't you? So you got to cut that out. You got to you got to do what's necessary. I am my mother's son. Praise the Lord. Priority number four is your church commitment. You say, well, where's my my you know where's my business? Where's my job? Where's my degree? Where's my you know all of that? Well, we'll get to it, but but we're talking about the way God set things up. Priority number four would be your commitment to the body of Christ, to the covenant family of God. A commitment, a connection with something that God's doing that's bigger than what we can do on our own. And number five would be your career or your ministry. And, and perhaps for many people that's a combination of, of those two things. They are working at a job or they run a business, but they also are serving in the house of the Lord in some capacity. And maybe they're working a job now with the idea that they want to someday be full-time in ministry. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be for everybody, but there are some that that will be the case. And so that's, that's number five. That's way down the list. If you want to um, have problems in your life, get this all mixed up. It's something we have to have right. We have to have right. And, and I want to say this as well. And then Glenda got some things she wants to say too. But I, I do need to say this to you. That uh, no one of these priorities can take the place of another one. Mm -hmm. Each one has their unique place in your life. Priority one, our relationship with God. Number two, our spouse. Number three, our children. Number four, our connection with the body of Christ in the earth. And number five, then our career in ministry. Your, your relationship uh, in your, your career, your ministry, or your business can never take the place of the basic church commitment that you need. You're not going to be able to just adore and, and, and spoil your kids and, and, at, uh, and think that's going to take the place of a good marriage. Every time we teach this, I always make this statement, but it's so true. And we've been married a long time, and we've been pastoring a long time. So there's a few things we've observed, and we know what we're talking about. We don't know it all, but we do know some things. And one of the things we have found is that when people get their priorities mixed up, that creates a lot of problems in what we call midlife or into older age because sometimes people get so wrapped up, for instance with their children and or with their job, their business, their career, their titles in the world, their significance to the culture, whatever term you want to use. And then, let's say, for instance, the kids finally, they grow up and they leave, which is natural, according to the Scripture. That's natural. Thank the Lord. Yes, amen. They, they leave. And some of you think by I, the time they get grown, you're ready. For you're ready. To go. That's my. I was going to say that you know because it, you might not. You might think now, oh, I would never want them to leave. Just wait. Just wait. Just I remember one. Greg saying to me one time. He said, 
isn't there somewhere that we can send them until they get over this and then repopulate them? <laughs> Sometimes teens are difficult to deal with, aren't they? Yes. But the Lord knew what he was doing when he created humans and gave them a self-wheel. Yes, and, and what happens is uh, if you don't keep your first priority, your relationship with God, and you don't keep your relationship with your spouse as it should be, then let's say the kids finally do move away. You have two people sitting across the table from each other that for the last 12 to 15 years, they have been so busy mm -hmm. going in so many different directions that their marriage is not what it ought to be. It's not what it used to be. And when they need each other the most, they are the least equipped and compatible to help each other. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that this gets better and better yes. and better until you both go to heaven and then it gets even better. Amen. 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 So, uh, so it's really important, that's right, that we, we keep these in line. No one of these priorities can take the place of another. You need them all. You need them all. If, if you're married, you have a family, you need them all. If you're not yet married, then you're building your relationship with God. And if you're believing for a spouse, well, that's a whole other lesson on believing God for a spouse. But it needs to be somebody that God sends to you. When God wants to change your life, he does it through a, several processes. But one is through his word to us. He guides us and leads us by the Holy Spirit. We just have a, a knowing in our spirit. Sometimes prophecies come. Sometimes scriptures are illuminated. We know the will of God. And then another great way that God helps to form our lives to be what he wants it to be is he brings people across our pathway. You know, Glenn and I met in church. And that's one reason that we've been going to church ever since. If I'd have met her in a nightclub... <laughs> You know, that would have been a whole different story. Can't imagine that. And you know, <laughs> yeah, I can't either. But the point is, being having your first priority right is going to have a whole lot to do with this second priority, finding the person that God has sent to your life. And I know sometimes, you know, people get in a hurry. Uh, but believe me, it's always better to be by yourself and have peace than to be married to the devil. Because marriage is the closest thing to heaven on earth that God has given us here. And it, when it's not done correctly, it's the closest thing to hell on earth that there can be. Amen. So it's very, very important that we let God bring the people into our lives. And remember this, the devil will try to do what God does. If he wants to mess up your life, he'll try to bring the wrong person. And you know, people say, well, but you know, they just look so good. They look so fine. He's hot. She's hot. You know, I just like that. Well, I like, I like what uh, our friend Mark Hankins says that his mom told him that time he brought that young girl with the miniskirt on into the house and she started pleading the blood of Jesus <laughs> against that. And, uh, and uh, he said he told her, but I want her. And she said, well, you might get what you want, but you might not want what you get. Amen. And that's really good. So uh, you might know, say, well, you know, you've been married forever, and it's easy for you to say. Well, I'm just telling you the truth. Amen.
Amen. Marriage license in Virginia costs you $30. Is that right, Michael? I saw that. The, <laughs> saw your receipt on the, when you gave me the marriage license. It costs you way more than $30 to get out of a marriage. Right. I can tell you that right That's now. That's right. So you want it to be right. Amen. You want it to be right. And Michael and Brittany said, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. You t Amen. take over here Amen. now. A you bit. know, the Bible has every answer. Yes, it does. And, uh, you know, if we just submit ourselves to, uh, to God's word and to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're going to make it just fine, aren't we? Amen. Amen. Everything's going to end up good. But in marriage, the great quest is to take two people and they become one. Do you know why um, women live longer than men? Anybody know? They're nicer. <laughs> well, that's one reason. <laughs> the other reason is because their men don't listen to them. Oh, me. That's true. That's true. That's true. Your wife is your helper, your that's, cheerleader. That's right. Amen. 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 So we, we want to get this right. We want our priority one to be a relationship with God. I just wanted to throw this out because uh, before we move on, this is so important. You need to seek, first God, seek God first, rather. Uh -huh. with your time. You need to please God first before you would please others. If you can please God and please others, that's wonderful. But you need to seek God first in time. And, and this is something that men, not all men, and hopefully none of them here tonight, but, but there's a tendency in men to kind of leave the quote-unquote spiritual things to their wives. Well, she's a, she's a praying woman. Well, that's wonderful. But you ought to be a praying man. Mm -hmm. you, you ought to be hearing from God too. Uh, you need to seek God first in time. You need to please God first before others. And this may sound a little counterintuitive when you're talking about having a great marriage. But it really is true if you understand the truths of Scripture. You need to love God above all others. Mm -hmm. And loving God is primarily condensed by Jesus teaching himself in John 14 and 15 and 16 to obedience, obeying him. And so husbands and wives should never be jealous of God. You should never be jealous that someone is seeking God. You should never be jealous that they love God even more than they love you. They're not willing to go to hell for you. They're not willing to compromise what they believe for you. They're not going to go out and commit some terrible sin with you because you just got a wild hair and thought you wanted to try something new. No. You notice I don't, I don't, don't have, know what a wild I don't hair have wild hairs. I'm the, not really the qualified to talk about that. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Or try to figure it out. Uh, but... Uh, Loving God above all others. And then worshiping God alone. You know, people get carried away in their romantic uh, verse and prose and songs. And, you know, I worship the ground that you walk on. You shouldn't. It's just dirt. And they're just dirt with a spirit inside. You love them, yes. 
you, you, you know, you'd miss them if they were gone, of course. But we don't worship people. No, we don't. Nobody is worthy of worship but God alone. And then in a, in a relationship with God, making it a priority means that you would live a lifestyle of holiness. You know, I, I know, you know, people ask all kinds of questions, and they're legitimate questions for the most part. But if I'll save anybody asking this question, I don't believe that you can compromise holiness because you're married. You know, if Glenna decided tomorrow that she wanted to um, become a sipping saint, you know, she decided, you know, Valentine's Day's coming up, I think I'm going to get drunk. Well, I'm not going to do that with her. I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to compromise. My, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious and exaggerating, but that principle applies across the board. You know, there there are people in a marriage that they don't want their spouse to go to church, or if they go, they just want them to go very minimally, and they don't really want to, to them to be involved in church and stuff. So I. I um, I just can't, I can't see that that is where we need to be with God. Amen. Amen. So, you know, if you love me, then you're going to, then, then you have, you're going to have to some degree, you have to love the God that I love and the God that I serve. Amen. So, um, putting God first is paramount, but it does not mean neglecting the relationships that he's given to us to nurture and to grow. So the the other side of that coin would be, I'm going to spend all my time in prayer and intercession. I don't have time to cook anymore. I don't have time to go to work anymore. The grass will not be cut because I'm going to be in deep intercession. No, that's foolishness. You can be a powerful spiritual person and have a clean house and a clean car, and a car that runs, and bring home a paycheck. Come on now. See, this is where we live. You can't just be so super spiritual that you don't take care of needs. And, and, and the Bible is clear that you can't be so spiritual that you, you, you're too spiritual for sex. You're too spiritual for romance. You're too spiritual to spend time together. That is not biblical. So we never want to use God as our excuse for not being a good husband or a good wife or a good parent. You say, man, this is going to be a tall order to get all this filled, uh, get all this right. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. That's why you need to pray. That's why you need to seek God first because he's the only one can give you all the answers to where you are right now. Amen. Amen. So I guess we're ready to go. Huh? Where did it all start? Genesis 2. Genesis chapter 2. Yeah, I read verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet or fitting for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, fowl of the air, so on and so forth. Adam named them, verse 20. And then verse 21. He uh, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. He took something out of man so he wasn't complete until that 
that was created from man was connected back to man. And the very uh, act of marriage, if I would say it that way, is the coming together, the completion of the man and the woman. God says it's holy. God says it's pure. God says the marriage bed is undefiled. There is a completion in marriage that cannot be found anywhere else. And that completion is by God's design between a man and a woman. Amen. Amen. You know, Adam found out that, you know, the, um, the fish and the deer and the bears and all those things. Even the little deer, Bambies and all that. They, they were not uh, compatible to him. And uh, God said in Genesis 2 that he, he would make him a helper that was compatible with him, one skillfully and carefully handcrafted to be suitable and completing to, to surround with aid and assistance a better half completing him, made it a better half to becoming one. So a godly marriage is not competing with each other it's completing each other i don't i don't have to uh try to control glenna she don't have to try to control me but we can work to complete each other and you know we don't have much time left here just a few minutes so this is a big subject but we're going to step into it anyway this subject uh and we're going to talk about what are the roles of the wife and the husband? And we may not finish it tonight, and if not, we'll get back to it, of course. But uh, can I just quickly say that, and then mm -hmm. we, we can go from the, here. Sure. Uh, husbands, your first obligation is to love and to honor your wife. Could we go to First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. I want to look at that with you. This is a passage that uh, early on when we started this series, this is one of the, verse, one of the passages that, we, uh, uh, that I was looking at, and, and we knew that this would be something we would need to talk a little bit about. Um, it says, likewise, verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, likewise, ye husbands... Dwell with them, talking about the wife, according to knowledge. So there is, a, there is a biblical knowledge, a spiritual knowledge of how to live with your wife. And, and uh, not just trying to be funny, but you really do need supernatural knowledge to live properly with your wife. And uh, notice he doesn't say that to the wives. He says that to the husbands. Because husbands are usually boneheaded. You know, they don't listen. They don't listen. We don't listen. We, we, we have our own ideas. We, we want things our way. You know, the basic human nature of all people is selfishness. Uh -huh. and, and the love of God is what puts that in its place and crucifies that. And so he deals particularly with the husbands to dwell with their wives according to knowledge, 
giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And that's not talking about mentally weaker, intellectually weaker. Uh, it just means that she's not physically made with the same skill set or strength as a man. Mm -hmm. Amen. I never once thought about Glenna carrying me over the threshold. <laughs> Thank that, you very that's much. That's not her job. Uh, you know, you just don't think about women doing everything that, that a man would do. And so, you know, guys, don't expect her to be a, a pack mule, Amen. a workhorse. Amen. You know, it's, there are some things, and especially as you get older, that, that maybe she doesn't need to do. And you may have to learn some new, some new skill sets. It's all right. Men can mop. Amen. <laughs> they can cook. They can cook. They can they do can the laundry. Do laundry. <laughs> fold laundry. <laughs> put it in the drawer. <laughs> make a bed. I mean, and you know what? Glory. Women can pump gas. Go downtown and pay the taxes, or you know, I mean, so you know, this thing works both ways. It does. But uh, the primary responsibility for seeing to it that a marriage is good rests with the man. If you're going to be the quote head of the house, then you have to assume the responsibility that comes with it. Amen. I heard Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole say many years ago, he's been with the Lord now a number of years, and he was kind of an expert on men's ministry, and he was pretty tough, but he said a lot of great things. And one of the things that he taught us in a men's meeting I was in in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, many years ago, was that if, if a marriage fails, he basically told us, guys, it's your fault. Now that, you know, I know there are some exceptions. There, there are some pretty sorry women. We don't you know, personally know them. I don't know them, but uh, there are some <laughs> sea hags out there. I know. <laughs> but, but, but anyway. What did we feed the pastor today? <laughs> we fed him what I cooked today. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> But anyhow, <laughs> gotta watch what you do on Wednesdays, don't you? But anyway, but for the most part, men, you hold the key. If if you're the spiritual head, if you take the lead, it's very difficult for people to resist the love of God. Mm -hmm. And if you're praying in tongues, you're shouting and praising God. If you're staying away from the filth and the trash of the world, if you're committed to God, you're an honest, good, loving, faithful man, then it would take a pretty sorry woman to walk away from that. Mm -hmm. And I know there's some out there. But primarily, I've always tried, since I began to realize these things, to realize that if things are not working in our house, it's my fault. Just take the responsibility. Same thing I learned to do many years ago in the church. If, if, if there are things that are not right in the church, I can't look at somebody else and say, well, it's all your fault. You ought to do something about it. As a pastor, I have to take responsibility. And maybe I didn't actually do whatever it was that shouldn't have been done. 
but I'm still the person that's going to stand before God and give an account for it. And so I think men need to understand you're going to give an account for your stewardship as a husband. Amen. Amen. So dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together. Now notice that. I'm sure that the Lord absolutely knew what he was doing. He, he was not wanting men to get all up on their high horse. Well, you know, I'm the stronger vessel and so on and so forth. No, he, he brought us back down to earth by making us remember that when it comes to spiritual things, we're heirs together. Amen. I'm no more a Christian than she is. She's no more a Christian than I am. We stand on the same plane before God. Heirs together, the grace of life. And notice what he says, men, that your prayers be not hindered. So if you're married and your prayers are not working, this is a place you really need to look. That's good preaching. Thank you for all of that wave of enthusiasm. <laughs> Honor her, live with her as a knowledgeable and wise man who respects and appreciates your marriage. Remember you are completed in it and also remember that anything you appreciate gains in value. Anything you depreciate loses value. You know, if you buy a house and it, as we say, it appreciates in value, that means it's worth more than what you paid for it. If you want your wife or your husband to become worth more than it's cost you. If you want them to gain in value, you need to appreciate them. Mm -hmm. you, you need yeah. to tell them that you love them. And you need to say thank you. Well, it's their job. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are nicer to folks in a restaurant than they, they are, are the people that they're living with every they day. Are. They wouldn't go to a restaurant and treat a waitress the way they yap at their wife over the food or whatever, you know. And, and, and all kinds of lies are told in restaurants. Tons of lies. You say, what do you mean? They say, was everything okay? And you say, yeah. It really wasn't. <laughs> but you say, yeah, or you, you, know, you don't say anything or whatever. The point I'm making is, but if you were home, you know, you might say, well, what happened? You know, you lost your notch stick, didn't you? Well, you know, what, what is it? If you don't know what a notch stick is, you need to figure that one out too. Um, but it's so important that husbands love your wife. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you this one here in a minute. We're closed. But I want to say this last thing, and this is probably something we'll come back to. But um, this is just something to think about. Women in a relationship, and I'm going to use this word loosely, trade. Uh, please understand, I, I just don't know a better word to use. It's, it is, but it is, a, a, in a sense, a transaction. It's a, it's a physical transaction, an emotional transaction, a mental transaction, and between believers, it's a spiritual transaction. Women will trade sex for love. Men will trade love for sex. I knew that would get us a good place to stop. <laughs> Maybe I should say that again. Women trade sex for love. Not that they don't enjoy that or, or, or ever want to have sex. And we, we are adults, so we can. This is a marriage thing. Women will trade sex for love. Men will trade love for sex. 
There's a whole different set of dynamics. There's a whole different set of hormones. There's a whole different mindset. There's a whole different way that men are brought up. Notwithstanding all the stupidity that's out in our culture today and all the mess on TikTok and all the rest, people are still the same. Amen. And you know what? Men are men and women are women. Mm -hmm. And the smart men and the smart women figure out that they're married to the other sex. And if you don't figure out how this works, you're going to have a whole lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And if you do figure out how it works, you're going to have a whole lot of pleasure. Amen. Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Amen. Heaven All right. Now, earth. you do that one. And, and I wanted to say uh, uh, in First Peter still, First Peter 3, 1 through 4, talks about honoring your husband. And that means to esteem, appreciate, prize, and in a human sense, to adore him. Ooh, that is again. to admire, praise, be devoted to, Come on. deeply love, and enjoy your husband. And all the men said, amen. Yeah. Read that again. That's in the Bible. <laughs> this is Bible here, folks. Can't argue with the Word of God. <laughs> Honor is... And, and no, by the way, this is the, this is the Amplified Bible. As I understand it, one of the main editors was a woman. So when you can get a woman to say this, she's faithful to the Greek, evidently. So listen carefully. Listen carefully, ladies, how to minister to your husband. Honor is to esteem, appreciate, prize, and in a human sense, to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. I tell Greg from time to time, I will do you good all, all the, days the days of your life. Amen. And I will hold her to it. <laughs> I will. Praise the Lord. I'll never do anything to harm you. I'll do you good. Amen. All the days of your life. The and you don't have to be afraid to do those things in a godly marriage, you know, uh, Jesus did more to liberate women than any other uh, person that ever has been on the earth. You know, religion wants to put women down and to uh, persecute them and make them... Uh, Hold them back. Servants, you know, uh, and Jesus redeemed us. Hallelujah. Amen. And told us how to be free and how to live. Religion will kill you, but Jesus will set you free. Amen. You know, there are two words that I think about uh, in this kind of a setting, the role of the husband and the wife, so on and so forth. Um, the one is respect and the other is affection. And I would say that most men would agree if they think about it and would come to an agreed upon definition of the word that one of the first greatest needs that a man has from his spouse particularly and from his children is respect most men appreciate respect over just affection now, I'm not talking about sex I'm talking about affection I'm talking about whether you call somebody sweetie or, 
or honey or whatever. I mean, most men that are real men, it is a part of their makeup that they, they appreciate and they really function much better when they are respected for the role that they bring to the family. Women, on the other hand, though respect's important to them as well, but that's not as important as the affection. Saying I love you. You know, just because you said it 40 years ago and you told her, I'll tell you if I change my mind, that is not good enough. People need to hear it over and over, especially uh, a, a wife. And men, many times when she's expressing affection to you and telling you how she loves you, you need to pick up on that to realize I don't need to just say okay or yeah. I need to express that I love you too. And you know, if you've got God in your heart, you do love Amen. your spouse. Amen. And, and you can learn to grow in love in greater ways than ever before. And, and sometimes love is shown in certain actions that has nothing to do, again, with sex. It has nothing to do maybe with, with a hug or even a kiss. But you lay down your life for somebody. Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. And there are certain things that men do and certain things that women do that's literally laying down their life. It's their time, their energy, their resources. They're giving what they have been given by God into a family relationship and particularly into a marriage and they lay down their life. You know, men, if you go to work every day, you're much more valuable laying down your life going to work than if you literally laid down your life and you were dead. Because once you die, you can't make any more money. Uh, so you <laughs> that's, <need> bad. <laughs> that's bad. That's <laughs> bad. So um, the point is, Laying down our lives is not just being a martyr, dying. You know, when, when, when you do that thing, that extra mile thing, that, that bit of work, that something you don't feel like doing, you don't want to do it, but you do it, you're laying your life down. That's love. Because love is not just a feeling. It's not just words. Love is action. Amen. Amen. Anything else Our before great we go? quest should be to walk in love. Is to walk in love. My thought is to becoming one. Amen. 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 So I, I, I just want to say this. You know, you might be uh, struggling in, in a marriage. You might be struggling, believing God. Where do I go? Maybe you're not married. You, you know, you're, you're trying to decide what you want to do. Or maybe you're sure you want to be married. Don't know who the person is. I don't know the situation. But you can pray yourself into the will of God. You can pray yourself into good places. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is to spend time praying in other tongues. Just getting by yourself Amen. and praying in the Spirit. And pray some things out. God can show you who your wife might be or your husband. God can tell you how many kids that you're going to have. God, God, God's willing to tell you all kinds of things, yes. especially those kind of things about your life that's going to affect the rest of your life. 
But if you don't take the time to seek the Lord, you may never hear those directives, and you could miss God. And, and you don't want to do that. You want to be in the perfect will of God. Amen. Amen? Pray for, pray for couples. Let's pray. And if you are here with your spouse or your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is, take their hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every family in this church, every husband and wife, every mom and dad. We just pray, Father, that you would show us your wisdom, your guidance, your direction. Help us, Lord, to get this right. This is so important that we give this right. And so we do want heaven on earth. We do want that bit of the Garden of Eden inside our four walls. We can't control what everybody else does. We can't even control what our next door neighbors might do. But we can surely work on what happens within the walls of our home. We can surely be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to walk in love there and to do what's right. And Lord, none of us have been perfect. There are no perfect people here. You know that so well. There are no perfect marriages, no perfect husbands, no perfect wives. But Lord, help us to do just a little better tomorrow than we did today. Help us to grow a little more, to go a little further, to be willing to risk this thing of walking in love, to go the extra mile. We don't know maybe how the other person would respond, but Lord, help us to do what love would do, even if it costs us something. And we ask this and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.